This is episode number 336. What do you give your time and energy to? With Shauna Griffiths. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your full potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. The first announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our upcoming 12-week program called Curiosity, the Key to Rewriting Your Story. What this is, is a 12-week program consisting of one-on-one sessions where we take you through the steps and the process of rewriting your story, getting more connected to who you are, and identifying a personal narrative that you like and believe in. If you'd like to more details regarding this upcoming program, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show. And that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so we're talking about lessons, opportunities. I'm assuming you're talking regarding the, the post, right? Yeah, I mean, it it is related to the post that you did earlier today that I responded to about meeting people when paths cross and, you know, you're asking, you're in your post, I remember you asked about like, is there a reason why you meet people and do you ask yourself that and stuff like that and, you know, as I mentioned to you, my coach Leslie Harris has this saying about like not believing in coincidences and I that resonates with me, that thought of things just don't happen coincidentally. And it's not a blanket statement, but I think it can often apply. And I think, as I was saying, like, I think that we have an opportunity when moments happen, good, bad, neutral, to look for an opportunity to grow, to evolve, to take something from it. And, you know, I think sometimes we can like, I don't, I don't think we should overanalyze and make ourselves nuts on things, but there are moments, like I was just saying to you, like I just went through this pretty traumatic experience with my husband um, and I getting COVID, but he had a, he had some um, complications with it. And I look at it instead of getting, allowing myself to go down this rabbit hole of being pissed off and like, it's not fair and things like that. Of course that's human nature. Right. And I, when that happens, I try to observe what's going on so that I don't just get all wrapped up in it. And I can go, okay, wait, is there an opportunity for me to learn something here? Is there something that I can actually take from this in a lesson or a positive thing? And for me, it was honestly like, you know what? Sometimes in life you have an opportunity or a need to slow down. And that was one of the things where it was like, okay. And and if I take it, we are both very, very active. We had actually got this on the heels of doing a hundred mile mountain bike race. (laughs) So we're always on the go, super active morning stroll through the woods. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
And it just forced us to stop, to just pause, to rest. Um, and then I, so I, I also looked at it beyond just the physical resting and also thinking about, as I went back to work this week, thinking about how can I be more restful, more calm, more present in my every day, in the things that I'm doing. And I was like, well, how much had, had was I multitasking or, you know, because the more we do those things, it's like we just add almost like fire and fuel and speed to something when you don't always have to. So it's a very much this like um, arc of as me, you and I have been talking about is awareness where we ask ourselves questions and observe and have this opportunity but it, it all ties back to the same thing that you and I both feel is this desire to continue to evolve and grow in life it's a never-ending practice and journey yeah. so that's been on my mind <laughs> would you say at the end of the day like is that really what it's all about the opportunity to grow to evolve to be better or is that just like a construct that we create for ourselves I think it's a choice I think it's a very active choice every day. I, and some people choose to be on that journey and some people may not be aware of it or they choose not to. And so, because it does take work, right? Sure. And oh, so yes. I, I do, I don't know if it's a, if it's a construct, but I, yeah, I don't actually know if it's a construct, but I definitely do think it's a choice and it's a way of being. Um, and there's, of course, this like continuum of it, right? Because none of us are perfect. And that's part of the whole journey. Um, if we thought, if I think if either one of us thought we were perfect, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, but it's, it's the way I choose to walk the journey, if that makes sense. Would you ever want to be perfect? No. No, actually, you know what? I think that it's almost a bit, the idea of perfection to me is almost like so foreign or so like, I, I don't want to be perfect. No, I, I don't, I don't have, I'm not, I guess my point is I'm not striving to be perfect. But if you could, would you do it? No. No? No, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> again, I don't have this. It's not, <laughs> I don't know. I think like we're it, about to uncover the ultimate dilemma of it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like it's this journey in this path and think about like all the growth that happens. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what, I don't, I guess I don't know what perfect looks like. And I, again, that's not what I'm after. And I think that's actually an important part of this is I'm not striving for perfection. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I, it's just like, I'm just striving to be better, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's not this, I think sometimes there's this like construct of what perfection is. I don't even know what the hell that is. Yeah. <laughs> but I know ish, like things that I want to continue to work on, things that I want to continue to evolve. And you know what? There's a bunch of stuff I don't even know yet um, that I need to work through or I need to evolve or I need to be better. So um you know, I think that's also why you and I have talked about it being so much of a practice um, and something that I think that I might move through and grow through now in a few years or a few months or whatever the time I can actually grow further than that. So that's great. 
right? Yeah. I guess the, the reason why I was asking that question is because I, I was thinking about what is life at the end of the day and is growth really this backbone to what gives us meaning and purpose and literally is the essence to living or what would it be like if we didn't have to go through suffering, through learning, through constant growth, through constant imperfections? Because that's really what it's all about, right? At the end of the day, like at least my interpretation of it is that we are imperfect beings living in an imperfect world. And I'm just wondering, just hypothetically, not necessarily anything that we're striving towards or we're ever going to achieve because I don't think it's possible. But if those things were removed, what would life look like? Like, what if you didn't have to suffer? Would there yeah. be opportunity yeah. to grow? Would there, would there even be a need to grow, right? If you just woke up and you didn't even have to go through the thoughts of, what am I going to eat? <laughs> Who am I going to meet? What, are, what do I need to make? What's yeah. my day going to look like? And those things... You know, do you experience a completely different level of thoughts? Like, do you wake up and you just, I don't know, you just do, you exist and. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I do. Well, you talked about it. It's like the human condition. We're imperfect humans. And so I don't kind of the opposite of being an imperfect human is that like robot, you're perfect, you're programmed, you're, you know, and it's like, that's not. And actually I talk about that in the work setting a lot, like with my team and like, we're not robots that all the shit that's been happening in society <laughs> and in this world and all of it, like it impacts us. Oh yeah. In the one day way or that, another. Yeah. Like Roe v. Wade getting overturned. That's something outside of work, but it impacts my people because they're, we're human. Right. And so we're not, and I, and I literally say we're not robots and I don't, I can't expect people to just come in and be perfect robots every day, you know? And so again, I guess, again, that I'm just going back to, we're imperfect humans. This is part of the journey. I think that we have inherently, mm. and the opposite of that is kind of being this. I literally get this like sci-fi robot <laughs> sort of mental picture when we, when we think about not being, not having these journeys as a part of, and these growth and the suffering, as you said. And um, you know, I think I also talk a lot of times about like. There's a lot of similarities, I think, in the, in, I often say many of us suffer similarly. So I think sometimes when we're going through a moment of suffering, we can feel so alone and like, I'm the only one feeling this way. And it's so unfair. And like, I often try to keep perspective because I'm like, okay, there's probably, there's a lot of people probably who are suffering going through this. We can learn together. We can learn. And it also just helps to not feel like I'm the only person on the planet suffering from something um so do you do you ever wonder or i'm curious when it comes to a lot of these events it's so hard to keep track of all the events that happen in life because (laughs) every single day there's something right (laughs) there's some new there's not even trends but like legitimate yeah circumstances that people go through and i remember having this moment one day i was walking walking the dog and I was looking at a, a bumper car or a bumper sticker on one of the cars and it was some big case that was overturned or something. This was in Texas oh, okay. two or three years ago. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, okay, I have a choice here. I can either pull up my phone and start Googling and then start 
getting involved in the case, or I can choose to disregard it and just keep my focus on other things. And I'm wondering, to what degree is it even a choice of ours as far as the events that surround us and how they impact our lives? Like, are you conscious of that? You know, when George Floyd happened, mm-hmm. that was such a big event. Yeah. Is that an event you were like, okay, I'm going to dive into it. I'm going to become an advocate. I'm going to change my life and people's lives around me. Or do some events, do you just kind of like let them be on their own? And is that even possible? Or do, or just the simple awareness, does that just consume us to a degree where it's like it's impacting us already? without us even knowing. Yeah, I do think that there is this just constant chattering and this layering of trauma, I think that's been going on, especially in the last several years. And I don't think that it is, any. if you have any level of awareness of what's going on, if you watch the news, if you consume, I think that it's not actually possible to completely shield yourself from any impact of it. I think, again, that's, so I do know some people who don't watch the news, don't consume that, the, you know, content online at all. And so those people, I think, kind of are choosing to put their heads in the sand. And that's not a judgment call. That's just, I think, what they're doing to create that boundary for themselves. Some people don't want it, can't take it. But I think that if you have any level of awareness or engagement with it, there is a reverb, I think. It's um, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is this like uh, yoga, is a saying that I know from the yoga world, which is like the vritti, which is like this kind of chatter, this like noisy energy I think is out there. So I think to some degree, we're all impacted by it. And it's interesting that you part that you brought up the part about George Floyd, because when I was, I had been laid off in the pandemic and then I was just seeing so much um, injustice in society, in corporate America that was going on. Just, you know, again, I, the, the racial injustice, and it did spark me to start my uh, podcast and my platform too, which is all about shining the light on uh, diverse, authentic leaders. And because I think we need more of that, those people to the forefront, those people speaking. Um, so, but, but I only say that because it all comes back again, I think, to choice. Now, whether I dive into something and take it on. And, you know, there's so many things that I don't think it's, that have been going on. I don't think that it's um, (laughs) possible to, in a healthy manner, to rabbit hole on every single thing. I think that it's our choice to figure out how do we engage with something that's going on in a way that can serve us and other people. And that's the journey that I've been on. So I have to watch partly because I do deal with anxiety. I have to deal with how much I ingest or consume all of the information because it's like drinking a, <laughs> like a glass of panic, you know, where I'm like, wow, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. I want to be aware. I want to be, but, I, and I also want to figure out how do I walk the journey, navigating it and do so it meaning all of the things, right? That just the journey in general. But how do I walk and navigate that in a way that I can um, 
try to have a positive impact in what I'm doing. And I don't think people do it all the same way because I'm not someone who's going to go join a protest, but I created a, plat a content platform. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, we all have to decide what are the, what's the way that we want to engage with what's going on. Um, and why are we engaging is a, is an important thing I think for us to ask ourselves. Well, I remember I was visiting a handful of my friends in Philadelphia and this was like right around the time where the Ukraine um, Russia conflict developed and became a war and everything. And I just remember being so consumed for a week. I mean, talk about a level of anxiety and stress and like depression and like what is happening. And even though I'm not on the battlefield, I feel like I am. Like I'm on a battlefield of my own in my mind, trying to wrestle with all these questions. And I kid you not, I was, and this was right after I came back from the travel. So like I'm processing all of that. I'm <laughs> all of a sudden in the war zone, like all of these thoughts, it was a lot. And I was consumed for at least one to two weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was daily watching videos on YouTube, people sharing their expertise, insights into what's happening, how it's happening. And you're right as far as there's only so many things that I think you could do. And there's so many areas that you can grow in personally, but at the same time, it's like, I don't believe you can solve every world problem. You know, I think really choosing to focus and hone in your focus onto whatever it is that you want to give your energy to. I think that's the only thing you can do. Otherwise I think you fall short. You spread yourself too thin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little bit like scattered marbles, you know, that we've been hand, handed with all of these things going on. And I think that when all these things are coming up, I do notice them. And it's not that I'm, I'm not rabbit holing into every single one of them. But again, if I'm thinking about what do I believe I'm driven to do, which is to make, to be present for others, to help my evolution and others and to make a positive impact through the work is sometimes it's just being present for myself and being present for others and you know through all of this and so it's a little of an umbrella without you know um diving into every single one because it, it's just so overwhelming i think it's also really great for us to think about giving ourselves grace in those moments like the various things that go on may impact each person more than others right so so for your example, some people are maybe more closely connected to. Yeah, right. So if the Ukraine Russia war sent you into a two week spin, that's okay. And it's also for you to have the awareness of, okay, this is what I'm going through right now. And, you know, and to your point about like kind of processing it, where's this coming from? Why is it so impactful? And, and how, what can I do in the, with this? But it's, but you know, it's again, it's the human condition to, be impacted by it. And it's okay. And I think that we also can't just, you know, sort of soldier on and pretend that nothing is bothering us because that's just, um, that's oftentimes when stuff comes back to you later because you haven't processed, you haven't dealt with things. And it we, becomes harder to articulate and mm -hmm. find the origin. Like, where mm -hmm. is this really coming from? Then it just leads to overwhelm because you have all the other information you're it's, it's a lot like being a human is actually really complicated sometimes. <laughs> it, it is. And it's been more and more so in this last 
couple, you know, several years, it's like, just every time you turn around, you're just, you know, like hit with something else. And one more, one world event after another. Yeah. They're not little things. And I was talking with my husband, I don't know, a little while ago. And I'm like, literally, can you remember a time, like put yourself back in that time when everything was fine? (laughs) or or not everything was completely fine and you know not perfect again but like we didn't have so much noise so much problem constantly you know and it's hard to remember yeah I'm trying to think of a time Mm, maybe like 2010 11 12 it's been years of just this constant barrage and so I do think that's also um another reason why it's really important for us to be operating with awareness to be operating thinking about what are my boundaries what do I want to let in to what degree do I want to let it in um you know can I learn from something but actually there's a um saying of don't overlearn from something. I think I heard that last year. I've heard it a couple of times in the past year. Um, and it's a really good one because I think sometimes we can, for especially if you're someone who wants to continue to evolve and grow, you can almost almost like force yourself to try to overlearn something. And sometimes you're just like, oh I I don't know on this one. Just keep it moving. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> well I think there's also probably somewhat of a desire to gain mastery over it right and something that i'm i'm learning throughout my whole journey is that the more you focus on anything the more it becomes your story and then the more it becomes your reality and then it kind of becomes one of those things that this is all you know and it that's is where like this whole topic of what do you focus on and how much do you focus on certain things it becomes a little bit of a question mark because i don't think there is a concrete answer to it right Like how much should you focus on the adversities in life? How much should you focus on your own personal growth? How much should you focus on reading every single day, writing, connecting with people? Because I I think that's something that I'm personally coming to terms with. And I've tried so many different things by now. Like I've tried the whole thing of having sticky notes on my wall and I put one task for sticky notes. And then I pick it up, I finish it, I go on to the next one. Six, seven days later, maybe a month later, I just scratch the whole board. Just get so overwhelmed seeing 55 sticky notes (laughs) on the closet. You know, I've tried the Excel sheet. Literally print out one page Excel sheet with 20 different tasks. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, you know, I have one day of left off and then I take out... uh, a uh, pen and then I color in the boxes every time. And then I see, yeah, I've, I've literally tried all of those things. And ultimately what I'm finding through this whole journey is literally focusing on three to five things a day, period. And even if one of those five things is drinking a bottle of water, that's fine. Because I mean, I don't know what your life is like or anyone that's going to be listening to this, but for me in doing an honest introspection of how much I actually am able to do over the course of a day, it is three to five tasks, period. It's not 20 to 30 like I envision or 50, you know, all these things. 
And then I, I also think that at least what my experience has taught me when I did that and when I had 50 different things to do, and a lot of them were behaviors that I was already doing, brushing my teeth, walking my dog, eating lunch, eating breakfast, eating dinner. And I just realized that after a while, A, it just, it did become overwhelming and B, it became so robotic. Now, like I'm doing this today, I'm doing this tomorrow. Like, where is the opportunity for a new experience? What if we, what if tomorrow is the power is out and you can't do 30 out of the 50? Then you got to deal with the internal failure mode, right? Damn, I failed. I knew well, I shouldn't have put 50 on the list. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting you're saying this because it's like a lot of what we talked about is coming full circle where it's like reminding ourselves we're human. We're not perfect. I'm not going to hit every 50, all 50 things on my list. I don't, why would I give my list a self, a list of 50 things. It's not actually realistic. Like, again, this isn't about this pursuit of perfection. There's a bit of, it's a practice. I want to meet myself with grace as I'm going through it. There's a bit of organic flow that I'm seeking. There's balance that I'm seeking. And I don't think that balance is necessarily achievable, to be honest with you. But I think that it is something that I strive for because in my journey, I've I think it's something that it's something to, to try. It's a, it's a pendulum almost. It's just like this continuum, I think, of, because I know for myself. Um, so do you <laughs> think sister's... we're always operating on one, one extreme or the other? No, I don't think it's that, that we're operating on the extremes. I think it's like this, there is this, there is the extremes, right? And again, I, I know that I, in my life, I've tended to be very all or very nothing or, you know, and so I've had to, um, try to find that middle ground for myself. And it's like, kind of, if you think of like a buoy, I don't know, I'm just thinking of like in the, in the water, you know, you're kind of bobbing there. Like sometimes you're going to be at the top and sometimes you're going to go down. And I don't think that anytime you're going to, I don't, I don't personally want to operate on one extreme or the other. I'm looking to find balance, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to actually find that middle ground all the time and just sit there and be like, oh, I've achieved it. Again, that's what I'm talking about, about this. There's just going to be some variability with it. Um, You know, but I think that when we're, when we're on this journey, when we're trying to figure out how we are acting, reacting, processing what's going on. For me, again, it comes a lot down to trying to find balance through it. And because you're right, if we're like, if I make that list of 50 and I don't hit the list of 50 and now I'm going to berate myself because I didn't hit the list of 50. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, I think that, um, it, it's okay. You know, it's funny. I was, if I, if I think about the work world, I learned early in my career, I used to, I always have to do notes or to do lists. And I, <laughs> I had this to do list. I was, I was working at the nets in marketing and I would Brooklyn, always have my Brooklyn, to-do list. Brooklyn Nets? Pardon? Brooklyn Nets? Well, they're the Brooklyn Nets now. Back in the day, they were the New Jersey, New Jersey Nets. Nets. Oh, when really? I, was there, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I was there for seven and a half years. It was an amazing experience. But Back when uh, Jason Kidd? Jason Kidd, Vince, Vince Carter, Carter. Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's crazy. So I like was... Favorite players of all time. Oh, 
that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was one heck of an experience. And I had a, a boss at the time who is continues to be a wonderful friend and mentor to me. But I always remember I had this big list and I would stay, I would get there at like eight o'clock in the morning and stay just diligently working all day long and, and leave so late at night. And one day he was like, Shauna, your list will be here tomorrow. It's okay. Like you, you can't expect, you got to go home. You, you can't expect that you're going to check off everything on that list every day. And I literally, it just didn't even dawn on me that that was okay. And so, you know, again, it's like, I think that a lot of times I talk about, you know, leaders. And I think that as leaders, no matter what stage you are in your career, it's really helpful to keep that in mind for ourselves, for others. And sometimes it's really helpful to almost give permission to other people like that. He gave, by saying that to me, he gave me permission and a different way to think about things that it wasn't a colossal failure (laughs) of my day if I didn't hit everything on my list. And so again, I just pull on that. And these are little kind of things that I've learned and I keep them with me. Um, And I remind myself of that. I still have my life looking over here. I still have my to-do lists every day, but now I can go, okay, it's prioritized. I know what I need to do today. And if I don't get to these ones, that's okay. I'm going to do them tomorrow. And if it was a high priority and I couldn't get to it, you know what? At the end of the day, it's going to be okay. I'll figure it out. So, so you might be able to answer my question here then. Okay. Why did the Nets not win the NBA finals? (laughs) Why do they keep losing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> were you there? Were you there when they were in the finals? No, I actually came right after that. I, I went to the Nets, the New Jersey Nets, right after they had won the finals. And um, no, we had several years that were really, really bad. Like we actually had one year. I think we won one game all season. It was a preseason game. It, let me tell you how hard it is. Cause I also played basketball at the university of Michigan. Oh, that's I, funny. Now I remember those seasons then. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was a huge, I'm still, I'm a huge Pistons fan. Oh yeah. And whenever we played the Nets, we would just crush them <laughs> right after Jason Kidd and all of them left. I just remember playing the Nets and it was just like guaranteed win. regardless. <laughs> I know. Bless their hearts. It was that. so I mean, I'm, I'm just been a basketball head my entire, since I was 10 years old, I grew up, you know, I told you I grew up in Ann Arbor, but I grew up in the, like playing basketball in the inner city in Detroit. And then I like went into it in my career and everything. So, you know, it was so hard to be as a fan, but then also like in the front office working. I mean, it's a long season. You've got 44 home games, 88 games in the entire season, including preseason. <laughs> and when you lose consistently, it's hard, you know? So um, anyway. What does the morale look like at that point when you lose oh, it's, so many games? Because there were a couple seasons, I remember, Nets lost like crazy amount of games. <laughs> like they were like, I what, know, I know. <laughs> similar to kind of what the Pistons are going through now. Yeah. This past couple of years, they've had like 20 20 I don't know I want to say 20 but that's probably even being I know but I will shine the light on the Pistons I know I'm very I'm friends with so many of the people who are there and they're doing amazing work um their head of marketing is this wonderful woman named Alicia Jeffries then they have this awesome guy named Tyrell Kirk Kirkham 
their um, chief business officers, good friend of mine, Mike Zavatsky, they are doing amazing things. Like they really are. Because there is a degree to which you have to separate what's going on in the court and what's going on in the business. Because even if the team isn't doing well, you still need to market the brand. You still have fans and you have to find a way to keep the fans engaged and to connect with them and you know, it's actually kind of funny. I know we're talking about sport and, and basketball, but it's a business. And so it's also, you know, it's for anybody who's listening, who works, you know, who is in business and you're leading a team of people and the business isn't going well, you still have to figure out a way every day that you can keep them inspired, that you can keep, they're your fans. They're the people that you need to keep you know, stoking their fire, inspiring them, coming up with new and different things. And so again, it's like, whether it's sport or it's technology or it's agency, like I work in the agency side, um, you know, I think these are just common things. You're going to have the ups and downs of the business, just like you have ups and downs of the sport on the court or on the field of play. And I think that's- How do that's, you do that? How do you do, how do you do that? What do you fall back on? Because I think this is a really like, critical point that you're just describing because it's so much more than basketball it's really about life and any any business owner like you're gonna have ups and downs in life period you're gonna be transitioning from one chapter to the next and what I've always been curious is how do other people do that how do you continue to like what do you focus on what 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 headspace do you need to remain in or transition into to preserve some of those things? Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that's part of my whole thing about authentic leadership. And I think that if you're leading a company and you're leading people and those people are in your care and you show up every day as a leader and you're, and it's that it's the constant journey. You're, it's there, there isn't a choice to just mail it in one day you are you you're leading them and there is a responsibility in that and it's an authentic thing so yes you're going to have your better moments or not but i think that it is it's this ever present ever present effort to move forward there is a mindset that i believe in strongly and that is about finding ways to win and that's not Did just you coin that have you coined that yet? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I that's think good. that I like it. No, but I mean that's like every day you find a way to win. And and it doesn't just mean that I'm waiting to win the NBA championship, right? Like it's what can I win through today? What can I because it's everything adds up. And I think that that's about like being present. That's again these people are in our care. And so being present for them, they're not, none of us are robots. None of us are human. How do we come every day, show up in an authentic way and keep moving forward? It's the same as the journey we've talked about this entire conversation. It's, I want to move forward on my journey. If I hold myself back by living in the past, or I allow myself to get stuck on a rock, then, you know, again, these are things that are paralleled in life and in work. I don't want my team to be stuck on a rock. Like if we need to do more in sales, then I'm going to make sure that I'm coming to the table with ideas, suggestions. I'm going to actively be involved in 
trying to drive that forward. So again, this is just kind of my, my thoughts and something that I dig into is like this ever present desire to find ways to win, five, find ways to move forward, find ways to continue to learn um, along the way. I do think there's an element of curiosity through all the things that we've been talking about um, that is, is part of the driver of continuing to move forward. Mm -hmm. Finding ways to win. I like yeah. it. <laughs> it's good, but it's so true though. Right. It's simple. You know, There's I so think many so obstacles that, that are put in front of you on a daily basis and, and sure, like you could reframe, you could turn obstacles into opportunities, but at the end of the day, there, there's still obstacles and there's still challenges uh, hardships that, that you can, or you, you don't have to face. I think it is a choice, but I think finding what you just described, finding ways to win. Have you ever considered a coaching career? <laughs> I, I do. I do coaching. Yeah. Good. Uh, volleyball golf of that. Yeah, I do. I do some stuff in that, in that area. No, but also I will say there's another element of it, which is finding ways to win in the midst of the being more you say it, the more it's just going to be just embedded in my head <laughs> <laughs> okay so wait so wait here's the other no, part no, no, of don't me. reframe keep going <laughs> no 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 it's it's a there's a part of it that's like it's finding ways to win within the confines of knowing that you like of thinking about controlling what you can control because again like there are some things that are going on like we talked about the nuts the, the horrible season <laughs> there's no way that when i was in the marketing seat i could have an impact on what was going on in the court but I had to find a way to win with the fans in other ways. I had to find a way to win with the work that I was doing, the people I was leading at the time. And, you know, so we were all like, I'm quitting. <laughs> so, so, you know, but I think again, it's like, that's something that I talk about a lot with my current staff at CMD, the agency that I work for is about like controlling what we can control because then it's easier to find ways to win when you're actually looking at things that are you can control the ability to how you can perform in them. What did you do? What did you, what did, what did you do exactly? If you could recall when you worked for the Nets? What was my, you mean, what was my role? No, 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 no. What did you do when the season was? Oh my gosh. This oh my gosh. How do so, you keep, like, what did you, I mean, yeah, we would, how we did would you show up to work? I'm like, I want to be here. Well, as a lifelong like basketball head, I was literally, I would come back to my seat every day and be so stoked that I got to have that job. So I was just like, to me, it was a precious opportunity to have that job. So I never lost my zest for it or my excitement about it, but I would focus on the fun I was having, the cool, crazy, basically promotional ideas and wacky shit we were doing. Um, we, at one point I, I worked with this, this guy who's been my dear friend, Charles Johnson. He was at the NBA league office at the time. And I somehow convinced him to do this Jersey promotion where it was like a reversible Jersey. Cause we would do all these crazy things that would, the fans would want that sometimes that, sometimes that was, sometimes that was us. <laughs> what? I could have, I, I remember seeing parts of it, I think. Oh yeah. So, so there were things that we would do, like, because our team wasn't good, we would try to like leverage the fact that people like the other people like the other players on the other team. So it was like, come see LeBron James at Continental Airlines Arena 
play against the Nets players, you know? So we like leading with the others, but we ended up this, so this crazy Jersey promotion that I came up with my, who's now my friend, Charles was like, they were reversible jerseys. So if you bought a six pack of tickets, so for six games, you would get six reversible jerseys. But here's the thing. The jerseys had like one player from one team on one side and you flip it over and you got a player from a different team on the other side. And you That's would actually have like, a really cool idea. Well, you would have like Nike athletes on one side and an Adidas athlete on the other, which is a total no-no. Like you just, you're not supposed to do those things in the regulations of how you work with players and all of this. But, but again, it was like, what crazy things that we could do in the moment that we thought would resonate with fans. And so it was fun to come up with those things. And it was a bit of wild west of, we did a lot of things where we, if we got new at, at the time, there was a player who's actually he's been in the league for a while, Brooke Lopez, but at the time he was brand new. So when he came on board, it was like kind of, he's this, so we started using him so much that we had this whole umbrella of um, there's a, a guy who was our leader at the time, uh, Brett Yormark, who was notorious in the industry for doing like out of the box things, pushing the limits and everything was about access and experiences, which is now it's so funny. It was just like before the time people weren't doing that then. So it was like, we wanted to give our fans as much access and experience as possible. And it's funny because nowadays, like people talk about what are you doing with brands? What are you doing in marketing? What are you doing to be unique to consumers and have them feel that things are personalized? We were doing that stuff then. We had this thing in um, corporate sponsorship where it was like, if you agreed to meet with me to have a meeting, I would give you a jersey, an authentic jersey, which is expensive, signed by the player of your choice, and your name, you could get it personalized with your name on the back. So again, like now people are doing that stuff all the time. Brands are trying to figure out how do I personalize? How do I give people, you know, deeper experiences? So those are the things that we were doing at the time. And I just had a lot of fun with it. And so I didn't allow myself. There's a degree to which you have to separate, just like in business, if things aren't going well, you can't go down that rabbit hole and let yourself get completely distraught about it. <laughs> you have to find the ways to win every day, which again, if I think about this entire conversation we've had in society, when these things are happening, you ha we have to find a way to not just lose ourselves in the rabbit hole of the negativity and all the horrible st stuff. It's like, find a way to win every day, find a way to engage with it, still feel inspired and um, you know, keep moving every day. I've always found things like this fascinating because one thing that I wanted to do is create, like if I was ever in a position like that, I mean, I would truly go, I don't know, probably a little bit overboard, but, you know, somehow offer a fan an opportunity to coach a play during the game, <laughs> call their own play, like, or call their own number. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You have to there's a degree to which in the sports, like you, you want to give fans access, but you also can't interrupt or have an, they can't impact the actual game itself. I think that again, there are now some leagues that are allowing those things. There's one called, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's basically like fan operated. 
And so that their whole thing is letting fans pick things, determine what's going on in the field of play. But that's not like traditional sports. They usually actually separate it between like the business of basketball and the operations of basketball, if that makes sense. So you 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 literally have usually different space within the the office (laughs) where the two, the two are different. Like you have a basketball, like PR person, and you usually have a business PR person. So. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know that. Wow. This is, this is good. I I didn't (laughs) know this, the side of, I mean, I've, I've known basketball is a, is a business and, you know, to what degree is it rigged and to what degree, like, (laughs) are the results fixed? Like, probably a different story but some of the things that you just described I didn't I didn't know that you even worked for New Jersey uh Nets Nets yeah yeah it's really interesting I think when there's a lot of times when people say to me like I want to work in sports and I'm usually like what do you think that means (laughs) because I do think it's an interesting thing like I have to say when I was I was just obsessed with basketball and I wanted to work in the industry and um do you ever think you would step on the court Jason Kidd and go go down and score no (laughs) no no I mean you know when you're actually working when you're working for the team if you're not on the basketball side that it's not part of your every day now we used to work with the guys to integrate them into the campaigns that we did you know and that was great and that was fun and super helpful with the fans um but it's not that that was actually one of the things for me I had to realize when I got there it was like if I was in the seat of marketing for a team that actually had to sell tickets. Cause some teams, if you're sold out, like you're marketing people, that's not the core of what you're doing. But I was like, you know, had to like work very hard to try to, to market the sale of our tickets. But I had to realize that like, that's actually the role of, that's actually the role I had was to market the sale of the tickets first and foremost. There were of course other things like merchandise and wanting to build a fan base and all of that. but again, at the end of the day, it's a business. And what's what's the big difference then between what you were doing and let's say what the Golden State Warriors marketing team would have to do right now? Because they probably don't (laughs) have to really focus on selling tickets, right? Stephen Curry alone probably packs the arena. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many factors, but I think that if you have a lot of, oh, I'm going to talk, I'm going to end up sounding like a I don't want to talk industry speak, but if you have a ton of of ticket inventory to sell, that has to be your main priority as a marketer to support your, the business that what's driving the revenue that you're controlling is the sale of those tickets. And how do you do it? And is it individuals or groups or season tickets and small packages and all of these elements that you need to work within? Um, And over time, again, like this was many years ago that I worked there, but over time, there are so many other revenue drivers that you do need to think about. But again, if you're in the seat of marketing, so much of what you're doing is marketing to support the driving revenue. So whether you're supporting your, the folks who are trying to sell the corporate sponsorships or your merchandise, or there's experiences that you're selling, but there are your marketing to drive revenue is the thing. So again, like this is, it's, it's, and there's so much now, like you want to build a community and um, because when I, the, I'm going to date myself, folks, um, I'll sound like a dinosaur. When I first went to the Nets, there was no 
social media. I, I think I like, I launched their email campaigns. Like they didn't, you know, so. That is the dinosaur age. Hey! I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but I mean, over time, it's like. Early 90s. There's so many. No, no, no. Early 2000s. Uh, yes. Email uh, came out late 90s? No, not late 90s. Come on. I, <laughs> it was in the 2000s. Um, Cause I was there for seven and a half years. So it was in the, in the first decade of the 2000s. God, folks, I'm really not old. I'm, <laughs> um, no, but you know, I think that it is over time. It's just like anything when you're, when you're in business, when you're a business leader, you need to be constantly thinking about how am I evolving the business? How, who, who am I serving? How am I creating a community around them? And what's evolving over time? So again, when I was at the net, it evolved so much over time. And so there were many different things that I, and that nowadays, to your point, someone who's at Golden State Warriors, they probably don't have a ton of ticket inventory to sell, but I will, you know, so they may be looking at what are the other things that they are, are supporting uh, to drive revenue. So merchandise, other experiences, you know, how are they um, marketing the activation of the corporate sponsorships, those type of things. Mm. That makes sense. And this is good because at least how I'm interpreting a lot of this, it's very much reading between the lines, right? Everything that you just described, I think can be applicable in so many different areas of running yeah. a business, mm-hmm. being a small business, not even a small business owner, being a business owner, right? Yeah. A lot of what you described is very much applicable things that you can take within that. How yeah. do you build a community? And I also like what you said as far as marketing based on what is driving revenue. Yeah. I think oftentimes what I found is marketing things that really didn't have an end point or mm. call to action, right? Sometimes you just share things and then it, like, what is the point? Like, okay, yes. It, and I think there's probably a value to both of those things. Totally. I was going to say, I think that, you know, depending on life cycle and there is a time when you need to be building brand awareness and there's also like a steady brand, uh, steady drumbeat to maintain to get your brand you know to have for brand awareness and brand affinity at the same time i think that i think probably something you're put, putting your finger on is what's the purpose what's the point of the message that a brand is Correct. taking out and i think that especially nowadays consumers have become so savvy where brands have to be really mindful if they're going to put a message out there in the marketplace, because consumers expect so much more. What does that message say about the brand? What does that message say that the brand stands for? What is that brand asking me to do or not do? And so again, I think it's just like you said, like being a human is complex. I think that, you know, being a brand, leading a brand, it's it's just more complex because I think people expect more, people are more savvy, um, as, as consumers. And so, um, yeah, but I mean, I do, I do think it's a lot of, um, there's a lot of parallels to, to what I've been talking about here. And actually I talk about, um, my experience in sports marketing, um, because I was actually in the MBA family, uh, working in marketing for 13 years before I went to the agency side. Um, and then in the agency side, I worked for an agency that was very sports and entertainment marketing. I was there for nine and a half years. 
And at the end of the day, it's what I call it is passion point marketing. So whether it's at one point I was at the agency side, I was working like one of my clients was Harley Davidson. One of my clients was Sesame Street. One of my clients was Circus Olay. But those are all like passion point. What does that uh, mean? Can you can you break that down? Yeah, passion point brands are like things that like consumers feel really passionate about. Like usually people don't just feel blah about Harley Davidson. They either love it or they hate it. <laughs> or Cirque du Soleil, they're like, oh my God, Cirque du Soleil is so amazing. Or they're like, no, I don't like to go to shows, that kind of thing. So it's just like, people can be rabid fans of these brands. And again, it goes back to like, you know, as a marketer, you're trying to figure out, like we were saying, like, how do I build a community? How am I engaging them? How am I creating a value proposition with every touch point? Um, and, you know, I, know, I, don't, I don't think that every single touch point has to be about revenue driving. I think there's an element of like authenticity that you need to have and really, you know, what's the purpose of your message. But again, like what you were asking me earlier when I said, when I was in the seat of marketing at the Nets, because of the landscape at that time, my job was to market the sale of tickets. My job was to be marketing things that drove revenue. Um, again, that was the, that was because of the circumstances I was in. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I never really heard of a term like that before. Passion, passion point, point marketing. Passion point marketing. Is that, is that an actual term? Oh, I, I'm, I don't I'm sure I picked it up from somewhere, but I use it a lot. Um, because I think that, you know, in my journey, there were times when I purposely stepped away from working in the eye of the needle of sports because I wanted to grow and evolve myself. I want, I had this desire to be as versatile and impactful of a marketer as I could as a business person. So I went to the agency side and over time, when I was trying to tell my story to people, they would say, well, you're a sports marketer or you're a basketball marketer. And I was like, well, no, I, I literally, it just came from, no, I'm a passion point marketer. So like, I, I don't care what your brand is. If you're, if, if, we have the opportunity to have brand people feel passionate about it, fall in love with it, <laughs> you know, want to consume it, want to engage, want to share it, want to buy it. Want for, for someone to want to put a brand on their body. If you, I know it's, it's so common now, or it's, it's just so, been so commonplace, but if you actually step back and think about it, people get tattoos of brands like, oh, yeah. you know, but if you actually think about that, that's powerful. You think about a brand who has the ability to do that. And it's not always, I was literally in the grocery store one day and I saw some guy with a Mountain Dew tattoo on his leg. I was like, holy shit, that is huge. But you know, it's like people, <laughs> not kidding. He was also putting down like so many two liters of Mountain Dew on the carousel. And I wanted to take a picture of him, but that's a whole nother thing. But, but again, it's like, that's that, a judge, but that's funny. It, it's yes. Right. But again, this is like, this is passion point marketing. There's a brand that I love. It's five ten, and it's very much in the um, climbing space. And you probably know about it from your climbing five ten. It's in the climbing space, very much in the mountain biking space. And I actually have a pair of their shorts on right now. And inside of the um, band, it says brand of the brave. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, 
I'm absolutely in love with 510. I want, I was like, you know, it, it's really interesting, you know, to think about. Did you water. get a tattoo? <laughs> no, I did not. I, I, I am, I can't wait to get my next tattoo. However, it's not going to be Brand of the brain. <laughs> Brand of the brain, but it's really, I don't know. It was really inspiring and, and it hits a passion point for me. And so when I see these things, I'm, I'm constantly challenging myself to like, think as a marketer, but also allow myself to act as a consumer and see how I react to things. And then like try to replicate that in business and in marketing. That's what I'm talking about when passion point marketing. I'm so sorry, folks. If you are hearing my dog bark 57 times during this, she loves to to join podcasts. (laughs) I have a friend, I have a friend of mine. I think, I think he got a Kevin Durant, uh, Tattoo. Oh. Yes. I have another People. another friend. He got an NBA championship um full blown one like on his leg. I have another oh. friend. He got some sort of uh like one of those wing tattoos, some other brand. And I just always so like blown away by, you know, but but I, I will agree with with you in terms of something that I've noticed within the past two to three years, especially when I started traveling, is that I was very conscious about what I was wearing. Like what I, you were wearing? What I, what I was wearing as far as brand representation. Like right now, I kid you not, if I go through my closet, I probably have a total of five to six brands, period, across all clothing. And it's all intentional. Like uh-huh. some of it is, you know, overcoming on shirt, like this is a shirt of another podcast I host. So it's like, I just feel that it it says something about you. Oh, yeah. It's a representation of what you believe in Mm -hmm. and what is your philosophy on life and what you stand for. And sometimes, once again, not as a way to judge, but sometimes I'll I'll see these brands and it just gets me curious. I'm like, do you really like Mountain Dew to the point where you got the tattoo on your leg? Like, what does that really represent? But, in, you know, what does it really yeah. represent about Yeah. You? No, it is. It's really interesting. But now you can see what I mean when I talk about passion point marketing. Like, you, and especially now, like, again, people are buying the things. They're more savvy about where they spend money. They want to know, well, if I buy that shirt from you, how are you using the money that I'm paying you for that? Are you doing good? Are you, do I feel good about myself when I put that brand on? I put these shorts on every day and I'm every day. I have a couple of pair and I do wear them all the time, but, (laughs) but literally I'm like, I'm brave. I put my (laughs) five dead shorts on, but you know, it's like, I, you know, it's, I feel really passionate about mountain biking. I feel really passionate about their brand. They have the best mountain biking shoes. Folks, if you're into mountain biking, five, 10 shoes are fantastic. Um, but you know, I just think that you got to plug in the t-shirt and the hat at this point. Like we got to include the whole clothing line. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I only have shorts. And we shoes, can't leave but... people topless. We got to, we got to dress them all the way. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, it is, it's just, it's really interesting. And I think, but here actually, okay. If we bring it also back to work and like what people expect from their employers, I think that a lot of people want to feel that passion about where they work, who they work for. Um, They want to. um, And I would say even who they work with. 
Yes. I think that's where the transition is happening more so. Yeah. I think before it seemed that people were fine with putting up the, I'm working for. Now it seems like there's a transition I'm working with side by side. So that way the scales are shifting. So like no one is really above me. I'm in control of my decision-making. We're on the same playing field. We're a team. Yeah. And I think again, like with, you know, my laser focus on leadership is a lot of that, you know, and it's like, this is what, like, if you work at a company and you are in a leadership position in a company. Now, again, when I say that you can be at different levels of your career and still be in a leadership position at the company. Right. And it is part, I think, um, part of the responsibility when you're, when you're in that is to be thinking about your staff and to be thinking about your brand, your business as how am I, my consumers, but also, or the, you know, the, the consumers, but also the, um, or if you're B2B, the brands that you, that you work with, but it's also your employees, the people in your care that you're wanting to build a brand of your business that they feel passionate about. They feel proud to come to work every day. They want to continue to, um, you know, evolve themselves. They want to continue to bring it every day to deliver, to find ways to win for themselves, for their colleagues, for the brand, if they have clients, for their partners, you know, again, and, and, and I bring these things up because like, look at what we've seen in the past couple of years of so many people leaving jobs and the great re, uh, resignation. And then, you know, I mean, all of these things going on. And so I think it's put more onus of, on people in leadership seats and on businesses to really look in the mirror and be like, who and what am I? What am I as a brand? Who am I to my, the people that I'm trying to sell to, but who am I to the people that are showing up here every day? Um, and so, you know, I, I just think these are things that we need to continue to think about. And, you know, when I talk about being on a, a journey of evolution and growth, I really, Yes, definitely. I want that for myself, but I also, as a leader, part of why I want to do this is so that I can be better for the people who are in my care. And I want to be able to help them to continue to do that. So it's not just a purely selfish thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it is. It is to some degree. I want to be better for me too. Of course. Um, I mean, it starts with you anyway. Yeah. So what was it like not having a job during the pandemic? Oh, <laughs> Wow. That was, um, it was, it was, I think the word that comes to mind is traumatic when it happened. I had, I was very fortunate to have never had lost a job and I had been, I had worked since I was like, you know, <laughs> 10 years old painting my grandpa's I was going to say, sounds on like Ann Arbor Celine Road. I don't know. Pardon? <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like you worked since kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I was always big in, in like working and stuff. And then, I mean, it was very abrupt the way it was um, handled. And I just went from a career in a senior position and nine and a half years at a company, literally overnight, having no job during a global pandemic when I was also afraid to leave my house to get some virus that would potentially yeah. kill me. So it was like, it's kind of like the, all the forces coming together. And so my... I spent three days. I remember all this stuff pretty vividly. I, remember, I spent three days feeling pissed, upset, like 
not fair. And then I just grew sick of the feeling. I was like, I can't move. This is not allowing me to move forward and move from a place of strength. So I need to just say like, okay, this has happened. Now, how do I move forward? And so, you know, I mean, there were definitely, pardon? Did you, did you fear the fact that you might not be able to find a job or was that never a conscious thought of yours? No, I don't think I really let myself think of that. I think it was also a time where like, you know, for months and months after everybody was just getting let go all the time. So there was almost this, it kind of didn't matter what I did to try to get a job. I wasn't going to be able to get one because ever, I was like in the very beginning of getting, uh, when people were getting laid off, and, you know, cause I were, again, I worked in the sports entertainment side of agency and all of that stuff shut down overnight. So then, you know, I just, I, I definitely was trying, but then I also just was like, okay, how can I find a way to win? So I created my own platform, which is SLG Impact, which is now more of a media platform um, that your blog is coming, or your uh, episode is coming out soon. So thank you again so much for coming on. But at the time I focused on my strong suits, which were marketing solutions and brand partnerships. Um, So again, the way that I found a way to win in a kind of impossible market for me to try to find a full-time job was to create my own consultancy. So again, it's just an example of that's what I had to do to find a way to move myself forward. Um, and I had never done that before. So I just, sometimes I try, when I go through moments like that, I try not to let myself think about it too much and just go into doing, like just put my head down and find a way to go forward every day. And um, yeah, so I, kind of allowed myself to get lost in the opportunity to learn and experience something new. And I built my website and never done anything like that before. And I was like, oh, I'll you know, do this. And, you know, my reaction to all the crap that was going on in society was I have to find a way to use my voice um, and, and to stand up for what I believe in. So I created the, it was a content series, which then evolved into a podcast. So I just, you know, I honestly, again, I allowed myself to feel really bad for a few days, got sick of the way that felt and knew I had to go, I had to move from a place of strength rather than a place of fear. What made, um, you, what made you believe that you had what it takes to actually take that leap of faith? You know, I have this magnet on my refrigerator that says something, and I've carried it with me since my early 20s and all the places I've lived. And it says something about like, sometimes you just have to um, take a leap and like grow your wings on the way down. (laughs) And I just, you know, I don't, I don't know necessarily if I like felt so confident in myself that I could do it, but it was, I had to find a way forward. Yeah. And I, it was, it, there wasn't an option for me to just give up or do nothing for me. I had to find a way forward. I had to find a way to win. I had to find a way that I could move from a place of strength rather than a place of fear, because I can't stand the way that feels. <laughs> yeah. And so it was trial and error. And I think I was also looking at learning through it. And I was like, Oh, I mean, it's one heck of a learning to, you know, build a business, start from scratch, start from scratch, something do, you know, um, sell, sell services, 
figure out how to get people on board to work with you, then deliver the services that you just promised someone that you can do. <laughs> and, um, you know, I know you're a Pistons fan. So the, um, I, the Alicia Jeffries and Mike Zavodsky gave me a shot. And um, my uh, friend of mine worked with me on it, Elisa Padilla, and we did what is now their social justice platform, the strategy behind it. So if you see the Pistons uh, Power Humanity social justice platform, that was something that we came up with. So, you know, I just, yeah, use it as an opportunity to like learn and experience different things. And honestly, like I just, I'm, I'm so grateful for the whole thing. It sounds funny, but on this side of it, I am so glad that everything happened. And I do think there was reasons. I do think I was on a rock when I was at that former employer. I do think I was holding myself back. I was getting in my own way. And it's like, well, I guess, I don't know if it was part of what I needed from the universe was to push me because <laughs> I wasn't mm. pushing myself off. So. Wow. That is fascinating. I'm a, I, I always, not always, but I oftentimes admire people who are able to be in that situation. Right when all the chips are down and you just keep finding a way, and I'm blown (laughs) away by what keeps people going. Like for me, similar mindset. I just look at it through the lens of what's the alternative, right? Exactly. The alternative is to sit here to do nothing and to look at it through the lens of the world is against me, and it's easy to be consumed by those thoughts. Oh yeah. I think you're giving. I don't know how many chances, probably millions of opportunities every day to look at life through the lens of the world doesn't like me. I'm not enough. This is not worthy. No one needs me. No one needs my services. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. And I think for me, the big difference that I started to notice is like, okay, at what point do I put an end to that list? And start creating a new list, right? At what point do I give one reason for why it's going to work out instead of listing 99 reasons for why it's not going to work out? Yeah. I think it's also really important, the words that we say to ourselves. Oh, yes. And I mean, they're powerful. Like they they do. Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, I don't know. Is it Rohn? Rohn? I know who you mean. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. The gym guy. Yeah. He, uh, there's something that he said in um, one of the webinars I watched however long ago. He said, words are fuel they give you confidence to go about your day. And if you don't have confidence, I mean, you're not going to be able to be active. You won't generate much activity. Totally. And I think it goes back to also, you know, my, my thing that you and I have talked about a lot about me being really focused on getting out of my own way. Mm -hmm. And I think part of like, if I'm, if I'm negative self-talk, I'm in my own way, I'm blocking, I'm, you know, and like, it's it. And it's also Achilles heel of mine. So I often go, that's the first place I go is to, is to talk negatively to myself. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> and again, it's like, I'm, 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 I've, I very much like feel it in my body, almost the impact of using those words. Like, you know, you're the physiology that you can um, assume when you talk to yourself like that, it is, they're completely linked. And then that impacts your, you know, the way you're thinking and the way you're speaking and the way you're presenting yourself in the world. And it's like, 
wow, that is not what I want to do. And that's not going to be helpful. I mean, it just literally feels icky, <laughs> which is a silly thing. But, um, you know, again, I think I actually learned it very early in my life. My very uh, forward thinking mother had me going to Tony Robbins seminars, unlimited power seminars when I was very, very young. And that was my first exposure to the th thinking of like unlimited power, self-talk, mindset, um, that mind body connection and i know there's a lot of controversy around him so i'm i'm not like over here you know uh cheering for him per se but i'm just saying that i just had that foundation in my life um and so i do actually think about that quite often and i do remember and things that i learned at that point in my life um i continue to call on as i go forward because you know again like physiology um it's like if you were gonna someone asked me one day my very dear friend pam harris i was going into an interview and she was like what is your walkout song and i was like uh and i i said um that girl is on fire by alicia keys but thinking that completely changed my mindset just saying that to myself and then i thought of the song and i was like put my shoulders back and like, you know, you just completely changed the way I talk to myself and the, my physiology. And, you know, I, so in, in work with this former employer, I had what was well, a whole nother thing, but you know, it was like the way that he would interact, I would often fear going to speak to him about anything. And it would be like this, you know, and then I talked to Leslie Harris, my coach who I mentioned earlier. And it's like, you know, think of doing a back, like yoga, think of doing a back bend, like how can I go in and be courageous and use my voice and get, and, and I actually went into that conversation and it was like my, the words could come out of my throat because I changed my physiology with the language that I was using for myself. So again, like you and I've talked about this, the way you operate, the way I operate, the path that I'm on, the practice that I'm feel so passionate about is has been a, the like you know many things over time you and I were saying this yesterday it's like years of practice and things that we have put I talk about it as a toolbox like things we put in our toolbox over time that we call upon and we're not perfect as we talked about earlier <laughs> so these are things that we constantly have to remember and I falter and remind myself and call on them and you know practice that's the whole thing practice 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 well also a lot of it at least what i'm learning is that really almost none of it is linear right when it comes to growth like you receive tools at points where you don't expect to receive one or information where you're talking about something else and actually something completely different comes to you so i just think that that there is this I, I would say it's an illusion in thinking that, okay, if I'm going to complete this step, therefore I'm going to receive this tool in the next step. When the reality of the matter is like all of these things come to you at the most random of circumstances <laughs> from time to time. Yeah. And you're like, wow, who knew that I'm going to get something I've been searching for the past 20 years while having coffee with a complete stranger, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or talking to a friend of mine or a neighbor or all these things. So I think, it reminds me of something that uh, a friend of mine, Rob, had said, abundance can come from anywhere. And I think mm -hmm. that is so true for tools and knowledge, too. Yeah. I wholeheartedly yeah. believe that there's no such thing as a wasted conversation. 
but that's all, but that's because of a choice. Like I'm making the yeah. choice to go into a conversation and even though I might be f- feel frustrated and on fire about what the person is saying, for me, I choose to remind myself, what am I here to learn? Maybe I'm here to learn to manage my emotions, to process my feelings, to understand like, why am I actually triggered when he brings up X, Y, Z name? That's such a good point though, is like usually if we have a really visceral reaction to something, there's there's probably something behind it. <laughs> now, the visceral reaction, if it's a really great visceral reaction, it can be like, oh, why do I feel so great about this? But if it's a visceral reaction, it has triggered you to your point. That's often something where I'm like, well, you and I have been talking about this over time where it's like, why is this happening? That tells me that I, if it's an, it's a negative visceral reaction, there's like something there for me to work through. And again, like for me, and I think you too, is like, we look at that as an opportunity and not that it's easy and working through shit is hard, mm. <laughs> you know, it takes time, but it, yeah, but it's like, I don't longer than you expect it. Three yeah. Times but it's longer. like, I don't, I, you know, having baggage, I don't want that. I don't want that to, again, like go back to my thing about not wanting to hold myself back, having baggage, but it's also like, you know, I have a, my husband and who I work really, you know, we have a great relationship. And I know that if I have baggage that I bring into our relationship, now I'm what he's got to carry my baggage, you know, it impacts, if I've got some impacts, like way I'm operating with him. And so again, like part of working through things is for my own benefit part of my working through things is for the benefit of how I can be better in relationship with others and how I can and and you know for other things again like I said in work how you can have positive impact on um in in relationship to people in your care I remember uh, having a conversation with a friend of mine Lena Stutes and we were talking about baggage and I was just uh, probably one of the best laughs I've ever had in my life I just (laughs) couldn't stop laughing I was walking down the neighborhood here and I was just like in tears but we're talking about how much baggage people actually carry and how many more suitcases we add on over time right like some some suitcases we carry like they're perfectly sized you could put them under your seat others you can't even like check into the airline you know they gotta <laughs> they gotta buy a separate plane to carry that bag because <laughs> it's Nobody's- so oversized and it's like not even rectangular it's all kinds <laughs> of shapes it's it's crazy to me actually this the number it's, of stories it's, it is it's so true if you so and the we, more experiences you go through the more opportunities you create for baggage it's, it's so true and it's just it is funny like when you can laugh about it it's like oh my god or you create that visual for for people who are yeah listening to this even for you like that's the one I, provider that does charge you for the baggage though just yeah. in currency like you know i'm very good most times being able to sneak in the bag onto the plane and not pay and i feel like i just won the million bucks even though it's only like 35 bucks from frontier or spirit airlines yeah but like in life you always have to pay for that one mm. It's so true. And so like, so when my husband, John and I often go, we travel, if we travel with bikes, <laughs> it's hilarious. Like I literally have this huge duffel bag that I will strap onto my front. I have a, something that I've strapped onto my back and I'm usually dragging. Hold on. Big... You take that onto a plane? 
Well, I mean, I have to check these things, but like, if I'm thinking about from the time we park our car yeah. to like actually getting inside to the airport, I've literally got this <laughs> big thing. I've got this big backpack on, I mean, this big, like duffel bag that's strapped to my back. I've got some sort of big backpack that's strapped to my front and I'm <laughs> pulling behind me what's called a bike bag. So like my bike is taken apart and put inside this huge bike bag that I then have to pay extra money for to check onto the airplane. So it's so funny, like that visual, imagine like I'm walking along like that. And if you literally use that analogy for like shit you go through for life and the baggage that you carry around with you, it's like, oh my God. And let me tell you how heavy that stuff is. And it is true. Like these, these, that's part of where the whole, like, why do I want to be on this journey of growth? Why do I want to be on this journey of evolution? Because it's like, I don't want all that baggage. I don't want to, you know, it's like, and I will tell you, you know, like when I, I know I have people who I'm close with that, you know, they're, you know, there's someone I know who's in her seventies and she's still carrying around baggage from her parents who've been deceased for years. And, you know, I think this is just, I can look at that and say, I don't want that to be me. So yeah, we choose to a degree, we choose the baggage that we're going to carry. And again, I not blanket statements. I know there are massively traumatic experiences that go on and there are some things that we never can fully put down, <laughs> fully get rid of. Mm, um, is that true I, though? I think so. I think that I or know that there's still boiled down to a choice. I don't think uh, only that I can say this from my own experiences. I know there mm. are things that have happened that I experienced um, along my journey, especially as a young person that definitely dinged me and like, they will come up from me from time to time, like as a trigger. And I don't necessarily feel like it's baggage that I carry. And I've and at the same time, it did happen. It did lead an imprint. It's just where I think choice goes is how much I'm allowing that to imprint my life as I go forward. But I can't change the fact that it happened. And I think that sometimes, no matter how much I want it, I can't erase that it happened. So, you know, I think, so I don't know if that, if that answers. I just wonder. I'm going to have to tell you also, I'm going to have to go in. I have to go in like seven minutes. Seven minutes. Okay. (laughs) Anyone that's listening, we'll be wrapping this up in seven minutes. I'm so sorry. I know you edit, but. (laughs) Um, This is going to be a two part anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no way to put this into one part. I know, but this has been so great. Thank you for having me. And I hope everybody who's listening um, has enjoyed this conversation because I sure have. Yes. So, okay, let me cut all that out from the seven minutes part. And yes, yes. Just plug in, like, how do people connect with you? Oh. What do you have going on? Anything regarding your podcast or stuff like that? Yeah. So I do have the platform as I shared. It is um, a media platform, SLG Impact. We have a podcast called This with Shauna Griffiths. That's me, folks. I'm the host. Um, We have a blog that has guests, author articles. Uh, The blog is called That. So our podcast is This with Shauna Griffiths. Our blog is That. I do a Sunday stories episode or sort of series as well that I write about. Um, The blog is very much the complement to the podcast. So it's the sort of like real authentic writings of leaders. 
Um, I also have a monthly newsletter that we put out. So if you want to be a part uh, on the newsletter, you can sign up for it on our website, slgimpact.com. Um, and you can link to me on LinkedIn. And I'm Shauna at SLG Impact. You can email me. Um, I'm pretty active on channels. So, and as we can attest from um, <laughs> our friendship, Oleg, that uh, was sparked on LinkedIn. I am active and I, I respond. And um, I think some really great connections and friendships um, have evolved for me um, through LinkedIn. So hold up, just to clarify, your blog, your blog is called just that? Yeah, <laughs> that. Like T-H-A-T? Correct. It's so that we have this and that. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that is genius. <laughs> yeah, in the um, dude, I'm hands down. Once I have the budget, I'm hiring you. Oh, <laughs> good. I'm serious. Good. Yeah, I actually have you. been thinking about this this whole conversation. I'm like, literally, just the, the way you process and like all the things you described. I'm like, because I think this is a, the other part of the journey, right? Is you go through life, you, you meet different people, and different people have different roles and stuff like that. And ultimately, I mean, everyone has their own philosophy and way of doing it, but I look at it as a way it's like I'm connecting with people. And for me, it just makes more sense. I'm like, okay, who would I want to work with? Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, in achieving some of these things, because I, I've tried so long to do it on my own and just kept, kept running into walls. And even this, where you just, this and that, like that is genius. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great. It's really fun. And our newsletter, our monthly newsletter that we put out is I'm going to have to do that. What? That. Oh, yeah, you do. I've invited you. So, folks, Oleg is going to be. I'm so like, I'm so. Oleg is going to be on the podcast, (laughs) This with Shauna Griffiths. And I've also invited him to write for that. So he has that opportunity. We also have a monthly newsletter, um, which I named Resource of Realness. Okay, you gotta cut that down. Like, oh yeah, one one word. This okay. and this or that. This and <laughs> that. This and that. <laughs> yeah. So I I love doing the newsletter. Um, that's actually one of my favorite favorite things to do. And I work really hard to not have it just be regurgitating the content that I already put out. We of course do links to recent episodes and recent articles um but we also have unique content in in the newsletter and again it's a monthly newsletter um and i'm really proud of the community that we're building it's um again it's a community of authentic diverse leaders um who are using their voices and words to make a difference so i welcome anybody who wants to become part of the community Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.